You're listening to the OneOfUs.net Podcast Network. That was, you said you were going to kick it off. And I know. I said nothing. I was expecting you to start saying something. No, I got, I get what, now I get what you were saying. Editing is important. Sometimes it's what you don't say. It's, yeah. the space it's between the, the lines. Yeah. Right, okay. See, uh-huh. see, Kevin gets me. Yes. But but I will, I will say, having... Mark, I'm sorry, you go ahead. Oh, no, no, no. After you, please. I was just going to say, Mark's never more profound than when he's quiet. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, after a few merc- merciless mercenary weeks of Mark just starting the show right in the middle of our conversation... Yeah, you'll be talking he, about, like, you know, I don't know, cupcakes or something. Yeah, you know, sometimes then, some cats are black and white, you know, like, yeah. but, uh, and then in the middle of that, he'd start it. This, this today, he, he gave us a proper, you know, count, count off. Yeah, and then, but he acted like he was going to, anyway. Well, no, that's what I thought, too. I, yeah. That's what, but once, once there was a little space there, I, I think, I think I got it. All right. Well, in any case, uh, we are reconvening. Hey, it's, it's the original four. It is the original four. Can I? Can I? What is this? Mike's harder strawberry lemonade. Yeah, I've Ryan. gone rogue this week. That's um, that's real I'm rogue drink, for I'm you, buddy. I'm drinking strawberry lemonade. Mike's hard strawberry lemonade, which has a warning label on it. It um, does well, contains yeah. alcohol. Well, yeah, that's the that's, that's the hard why part. I bought it, by the way. That's the hard part. That's the kind yeah. of shit you do when you're a kid. You're like, "What? Jolt Cola twice the caffeine? <laughs> Give it to me, buddy." Yeah. That's this is by the way, it's got a warning label and it's not Mike's Hard Lemonade, it's Mike's Harder Lemonade. Harder Lemonade. Does that All mean right. that has more alcohol than Mike's Hard well, Lemonade? percent I don't know what regular Mike's has in it. But... That's isn't that like four loco or no, that's like 8 like 18%. I couldn't tell you. Maybe yeah. this maybe this has like uh that stuff that they put in Red Bull in there. It's like taurine, yeah. So it's got like the the alcohol <laughs> and the caffeine, fear and loathing, and and like the the shitty vitamin flavor that yeah that, that somewhat that jeune uh, yeah. that there's always drinks. a little bit of Flintstones going on. Yeah, at, uh, that's Red that, Bull. that's yeah. taurine. I mean, I'm pretty sure. I don't know. I think there's B vitamins. Retsin. It's a glistening drop of retsin. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, let's get this show on the road. I'm Shay. I'm Ryan. I'm Kevin. I'm Mark. This is somebody who likes it. Pleased to see you guys. Um, today is October fourth, uh, a Wednesday that we're recording. Monday, October second, kind of sucked. All uh, hell broke loose. It was a yeah, it was a crazy day for a lot of reasons, and uh, not the least of which, yeah. uh, some crazy person, and we still don't really know what his motivation was. Uh, killed fifty-eight people in Las Vegas and injured five hundred plus others. Oh. Almost half a thousand people, over half a thousand people got yeah. injured. And that's so fucking in, nuts. Yeah, that's not really what we're here to talk about tonight, but we do want to recognize that that is, of course, an unfathomable tragedy. And, and uh, like, I hope it doesn't keep people from going to music festivals. Yeah, let's hope not. Um, but in any case, uh, you know, that's, that's kind of weighing on everybody's mind right now. But in the same day, what we are here to talk about uh, we lost a big one, and that would be, of course, Mr. Thomas Earl Petty. That's that's true. That was a big one. He mostly went by Tom. Just he's the he's Tom mostly Tom. known Tom. as Tom. Yeah, yeah not Thumb. Like, well, not, uh, not Mr. Thomas Earl Petty. Yeah, T.E. Like, Petty. I don't know if yeah. his mother just walked well, in the room or he's writing a check. Well, like, we're, we're here to celebrate his, his life and his music, his art. Yes. Um, <laughs> See, yeah. aren't there none around? <laughs> We'll lighten the mood a little bit because yeah. uh, we're really here to to celebrate his life and, and his music, and uh, I think some of us like his work more than others. But um, I will tell you this: what Tom Petty means to me is is being 15 years old, sitting on a hood of a car in a, in the woods somewhere, drinking warm beer, and that's like the soundtrack to that. The so soundtrack of, of, to, to, to drinking warm beer. To drinking warm beer, sitting on the hood of a car with a bunch of friends, like in the middle of the fucking woods. I'll, t- I'll tell you what I thought was really fascinating, and that was I became aware of the fact that he was from Gainesville, Florida, a couple of days ago 
for the first time. I'd never actually like oh, given yeah, any I'm, thought to where he was from because the way that I thought about it, and it struck me as soon as I found out where he was from. I was like, he, you could have told me that he was from anywhere in America, and I would have gone like, oh, sh- clearly he's from North Dakota or like. Well, I, I think or, there's a southern bent to his music, but you, you can know, find that. You know easily. what else is from sure. Gainesville? Gatorade. And so Gator, <laughs> Gainesville gave us Gatorade those Tom energetic Petty. Tom that, Petty performances. I do love Gatorade. When we've been talking over the past couple of days, one of the things that we've been talking about is this Peter Bogdanovich documentary that, that premiered several years ago and is like three and a half hours long. But, uh, but the opening scene of that is a show that, that Tom Petty did in 2006 in Gainesville. And... There and I'm listening to the, to the Tom Petty Sirius XM station over the past couple of days, like when he was after he'd had the heart attack, but before he had passed away, and so they're just it's just a stream of people who have worked with him and like lots of reminiscing and sort of uh, lots of chatter, and they start to take calls, and this guy calls in, and I guess he was either from Gainesville or from Florida or whatever, but. Uh, he was in, he was at that show in 2006 that opens up that documentary, mm-hmm. and he said one of the interesting things that was that happened at that show, if you were there, that didn't end up making it into the final cut of that film, was that Tom Petty brings the uh, brings his cousin up on stage, and he tells the crowd, "This is my cousin, the chief of police." And the crowd full of drunk college students goes crazy for the chief of police. And and the guy was the like... The Gainesville chief of police. The Gainesville chief of police. And it tells you two things. Which One is like, Gainesville's still not that big. Like, it's a college town still. Mm-hmm. Or at least it was in 2006. And the other thing is, is like, if you're, Tom, if you're the chief of police, but you're Tom Petty's cousin, you're okay with those dudes. Well, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure Tom Petty and his crew have seen their share of marijuana. Uh, oh sure, and I'm pretty sure his cousins just kind of like yeah, it, but it's fine. Tom Petty likes there's this there's this like ubiquitousness of of his not just his music but of him like it crosses over all social strata. Like I've never seen an outpouring of grief for a musician in my life. Like I've oh, seen yeah, for the sure my, yeah, yeah. My, uh, my for Facebook all, all feed, over like, the people place. that I had no idea like like punk people like this girl I used to work with uh, her boyfriend is in uh, the Fleshlights and she's in a like kind of new wave kind of punky band or the way whatever. that you said that it sounded like her boyfriend's really into Fleshlights like no not not the uh, appliance but like I just needed know, a to band clarify. called the Fleshlights <laughs> and they're, they're fairly prominent in Austin but anyway um, and she's in like a, like a punky new wave type band or whatever and she was talking about how when George Harrison died she was a teenager and her dad like cried and cried um, and she'd never seen him cry before, and she was like, "Now I understand," because Tom Petty was like my hero. That's and and I would have had no idea. It's kind of nuts, man. I mean, like, look, like Bowie died what, like a year and a half ago? Yeah, something. Like and that. there was an outpouring of grief, but nothing. This dwarfs anything that I've ever like seen from even like possibly accepting Michael Jackson. But I don't even. I don't. I mean, this is this goes everywhere. And I, well, Michael no, Jackson had like some kind of controversies and whatnot, and so like maybe it was a, a little bit more muted. But like nobody didn't like well, Tom okay, Petty like so, as right, a person. Well, but here's Tom, Tom Petty's kind of like in that, and we've talked about this before. It's kind of and I and I hadn't have thought about this before, but I will, I will definitely put him in this. Like there is a certain category of musician um, that like people just nobody doesn't. Not okay. Like nobody hates Willie Nelson. You know, there's a couple of people like Bob Marley. I put in there. Wonder Stevie Wonder for sure. Um, Maybe Van Morrison is like like in a certain. But I thought you were saying that that Bob Marley and Stevie Wonder hated Willie Nelson. No, I'm saying like I'm saying like how do you know? I'm saying there's a there's a very (laughs) small select group of musicians that everybody likes, and like I would definitely put Tom Petty in that. I don't love Tom Petty's music. Um, but I definitely don't dislike any of well, it that I've ever heard. What's there to dislike? No, no. I mean, and there's some that I like quite a bit. I'm, you know, I think as I've gotten older, I like it less than I did when I was younger. But I, but I still like it quite a bit. I've never heard a Tom Petty song on the radio and said like, ah, oh, fuck that. And there's some that I really like a lot, personally. 
Um, but I just find it really interesting as just a sociological observation um, how – Oh, no. It, and, and, like, considering what we were talking about earlier, like, with the tragedy in Las Vegas, like, on the same day, I would say at least five to one of the social media <laughs> Tom things about Tom Petty. Well, um, it is one of those things because of con- the confluence of events. People, like, legitimately, they were like, you know, I feel like obviously – you know, given the events of today, like one thing is, you know, it's not more important than this tremendous loss of life. But this person, this is how important this artist was to me that I still want to take a second and talk about it. And they would talk about it. Well, like, and, and he he affected a lot, you know, a lot of people on a, a mass scale. And like, and as tragic as it is, those 58 people, like we don't know who they are really. Uh, I guess that's a good, that's a good way to look at it. It kind of did bother me just a little bit like that this celebrity that these people don't really know. But I, get, I mean, when I think of it that way, the way that you just put it, like that does make sense. Um, yeah, right. These yes. are just... And I've only owned one Tom Petty record, Full Moon Fever, and I still think it's brilliant. That's that's the solo one, right? Yeah, it's... it's, it's that's the, like a bunch record. of hits on it. Like, but like half is it the Free Fallen on it? on it? Yeah. Uh, free Fallen's on it. Uh, running Down a Dream. Yeah. Yeah. I liked a lot of the videos off that full moon. Like, I liked a Running Down a Dream video. And, and the, Well, the impression that I get is that he's pretty good about surrounding himself with people who are really good at what they do and then giving them the space to, like, go do it. So my guess is that that maybe some of the video stuff came together that same way. And, of course, like the... I mean, he was, you know, he was... he. Uh, you got lucky. One of the one of the very early videos to ever show on MTV. That that video and blew me away when I was like when I was a ten kid, or whatever, whatever it you came know, out. I don't and think I've ever seen that video. Started and for me, it just like anything that he would put out on video. I think for me became a hit. Just well, because we of, should probably stop talking and yeah, see yeah. a video. So Bef- why don't we start we, with that one before uh, we dive into it? Let's uh, at least share with everybody the format for today's show is going to be a little bit different than what we've been doing. Um, this will probably be most similar to like maybe the Bowie show that we did. We're each going to take a couple of tracks um, throughout the show and share some that we connected with one way or the other. So um, I don't know who's. I mean, if we want to go ahead and roll that one, well, I can just whose go is first because like that's one okay. I wanted to pick anyway. Okay, uh, but yeah, you got lucky. Let's let's get into that. And I just thought it was like mind-boggling. Let's start there. Heartbreakers, a little more mind blowing in 1982 than it is now. Yeah, certainly peaked at number 20 on the Billboard Hot 100. Still a good song. Oh, sure, it is a good song. That's a, a really cool um, keyboards. Well, and, yeah, and it, it has, and then it has that cool like so, keyboard so you line. Know the, you know the name of his uh, piano slash keyboard player? It's like one of the like short of Trip Wiggins, who was a guy that both Shane and I knew back <laughs> yes. in the day. Uh, maybe one of the greatest uh, rock names. But, Trip uh, Wiggins, yes, yeah, but. Benmont Tench, uh, which is like that's just a good name. No, it is. It's a good, good rock, rock name. name. And that guy was in Mud Crutch. That was one of his old running buddies. That was yeah. That he he was a younger kid um, that just kind of blew them away. And he was like, "Come to L.A. with us." And anyway, uh, yeah. Well, right. And two things. I mean, one, there clearly, if you look up this video. A uh, lot. There's a t- real Mad Max had come out a year earlier in 1981, and so that whole like dusty desert I, thing. Yeah, like, I suspect that that's where the inspiration for that came from. Like they drive like a like like this egg pod car out to the middle of nowhere. Right. Find some weird 
um, like shed or something. Like, like audio large... visual uh, tombstone. <laughs> but or something. The, cl- yeah. the clouds are. We, we've talked about this in old videos before. Before, like there was like like computer aided design. Like they had like some kind of process where it was like analog, where they would like the clouds are like tinted and some. Well, yeah. Pre- so, they, so they've used they've used a graduated filter on the on the the camera lens to give you that that orange that deep orange effect. But yeah. They've masked it, and they've got like just this. Obviously, there's like pinks hand, and blues and weird, paint, yeah, hand painted. Yeah, yeah. The beginning of the video like like looks beautiful, and then so anyway, it's all like kind of gritty and dusty after that. And this weird futuristic car, they go in this whatever it is, um, like large shed, um, and uncover a guitar, a um, uh, bunch machine, of TVs, slot machine, yeah, which for some reason pays out. Uh, and what was because money doesn't matter oh, in the future, oh, and man. A, and a, a large, big, like you know, like midway video game. Yeah. So apparently, that car was the hover car from the television series Logan's Run. There was oh, a so, television uh, series. I knew there was a movie. <laughs> yeah, there was a there was apparently a TV series that ran for a little while. Um, yeah, the description on Wikipedia is fascinating. It says. They find a radio slash cassette player wrapped in bubble wrap, which is linked. I oh, can't yeah, imagine like how exciting box. that is. Like an old, old-timey old boombox. Yeah. Play the tape, which begins the music of You Got Lucky. Anyway, I also thought it was interesting that um, Howie Epstein is featured prominently in that video, sort of, in uh, uh, the years before his untimely end. I'm trying to remember who Howie Epstein Howie was. Epstein was, um, was maybe the... Uh, bassist, like I'm trying to remember what which instrument he was on, but yeah, he he overdosed, and so maybe in 2003 or so, uh, I have to go back and check the year, but um, but yeah, that was one of the one of the situations where it's kind of been said that that the other guys in the band said that that the way that Tom Petty drove the Heartbreakers because it's like he was legitimately a rock star, but he was also in like a member of He'd been in the same band since the seventies, and so they they said that he kind of ran that like a benevolent dictatorship, I guess, a little bit. Like he called the shots, but they were all well, old, yeah, it like was Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. But he was able to pretty much call the shots. But he gave them plenty of room to. Yeah, I think only sure. I think only one guy quit, like the dude that played bass before Howie Epstein did. Um, but I mean, I'm not, you know. I'm not entirely uh, Later on, their drummer quit. Um, That's true. Yeah. Uh, but he kept, what's his name? Mike Campbell? Who, or who's the? Mike Campbell is the guitar player. Guitar player. And then also um, Bentmont Dench. Bentmont. Who I think was a keyboardist, Bentmont right? Tinch. Was the No, no, no. Bentmont Dench was the keyboardist. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, Shane. Um, I suspect you have a, another song for us. Dialogue. Yes. Yeah, I'm going to, there is no video for this one. This is off their first record, which I find really interesting. It's, it's the same album that American Girl came out on, but this is the only song that charted off that record. American Girl didn't become popular until weirdly did not. Uh, Isn't it, it weird? It, yeah. It, no, it hit. It actually hit like number forty-one, but it no, didn't the, hit the top forty. The, the the one that they had in the top forty is Breakdown, and it, and it was in the top forty for one day, eighteen months after the record was released, and it's by far my favorite Tom Petty song. There's something that's really like almost like sleazy about it like i can't just the way the music sounds to me like i I, like almost like uh if you used it as source music in a movie like it would be like in the sleazy bar where the money and the drugs are being exchanged or something has nothing to do with the lyrical content just um i can't say what it is but anyway we'll listen to it there's no video unfortunately but um since it is the one top of song i really love i wanted to throw it in there let's do it up it's alright if you love It's alright if you don't I'm not afraid of you running away, honey I get the feeling you owe There is no sense in pretending Your eyes give you away Something inside you Take me through the night 
lot of space in that song. Yeah, like, but it's not spacey. No, like you're talking about like uh, like early Pink Floyd kind of spacey, like Piper of <laughs> the Gates of Dawn, uh, like Barbara Sid Barrett. Barrett. Some, some I do at shit. some point want to bring up like a, a Sid Barrett era Pink Floyd. Record, it's up to I'm you, buddy. Sure. I don't know. I've never heard one. I don't know if anybody's ever explained to you how this show works, but what you do <laughs> is you <laughs> pick a record <laughs> yeah. that you do it yourself that you don't know or you have never heard before. You pick it, and then we talk about it. I'm so confused. Okay. Yeah. All right, and, but I, I I do get what you mean, Shane. Like it is it is a there is a lot of uh, it's a spare song. Like yes, it, it, yeah, and there's something like the only word I could think of like is leisurely. like leisurely. It's leisurely, but it's not a leisurely. There, there's something leisurely. that's leisurely. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. It's a portmanteau. Let's let's, let's try to, <laughs> let's try to let's try to popularize that leisurely. Leisurely. Yeah. Yeah. It's all right if you love me. It's all right if you don't. I'm not afraid of you running away, honey. I get the feeling you won't. Like that's but, a fucking kind of sleazy thing to say. But then it's also got that kind of like lazy, like the, you know, do 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 do. You know that, that stuff. What, what, was so this, yeah. what happened? Is it blues rock? I mean, is that appropriate? I mean, I don't, I don't such? know. I wouldn't say. I mean, maybe. Dude, I think this guy was like a. a this weird confluence of all his influences. Yeah, that's he loved he, the Beatles, he loved the Birds, but he also loved like blues. He liked the new wave stuff that was happening at that well, time too. Sure. That's what people are trying to classify him as. I, you know, that's why like radio didn't take to him for a long time because he didn't fit in with classic rock and he didn't fit in with Elvis Costello. He's somewhere like in the middle there, but he's he's got a real timeless quality to his. Well, it's, it's like sort of Americana. But not as much as, like, say, John Mellencamp. Dude, he really is a singular voice, man. I mean, no, you know, like, love I it agree. or take it or leave it. I mean, he, he is himself. He doesn't really sound like anybody. Well, and I also think it's one of those deals where it, it's like he has such a signature, to your point, Shane, he has such a signature uh, approach to the music that it's like, you know, it's like if you heard Tom Petty covering somebody else, you'd be like, oh, clearly that's a, that's a Tom Petty number. Like, Right. And also... Yeah, you're right. Well, also, if it were a good, I mean, like, I mean, let's just the guy is just a fucking solid writer. You don't have a career. He had a career like a like a solid career with hits over the course of thirty years. Uh, I mean, his career is longer than that. Yeah. Well, yeah, but I'm saying like, but the yeah, but he had like, he had hit 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 after hit. Yeah, you know, like seventies, um, eighties, and nineties, almost into the two thousands. Well, I, I never saw him live, but from what I understand, like if you go to if you went to a Tom Petty show, like um, it's like. Two and a half hours of like you recognize every single song. Tom Petty was never a this one goes like this guy. Like this yeah. one goes like this. Then you play the song. Here's another one that goes like this other song. Like he always he he always see and and I do think that like some of the things that he did, which we haven't really talked about. We don't have to sidebar like crazy on yet. Um, but stuff like when they wanted to when MCA wanted to price his. His records. Oh, at dude, I love this. Super, yeah, that's a good super story. premium, like the at the Steely Dan pricing. It was the record. Yeah, yeah it was the record like, after uh, "Damn the Torpedoes." So he would. He'd, no, no, no. There was a couple after "Damn the well, Torpedoes." Whatever it was, they wanted they wanted to price Maybe it nine ninety eight, and he wanted it to be eight ninety eight. So he threatened to call it the eight dollar ninety cent album. Um, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I get the feeling <laughs> the dude was a little feisty, right? Well, he was, but it's like, but well, I. If you watch but that's okay. why. No, like, but that's great. If, like, if you watch that Peter Bogdanovich um, documentary on Netflix, uh, it's called "Running Down a Dream." By the way, I don't know. Was if that was um, it on Netflix before he died? Or yeah, was, yeah, yeah. I watched it like three or four months ago. Um, that's about how long it takes to get through. It's really long. It is really like, long. <laughs> be warned. Yeah. Uh, but if you watch that that documentary, he comes off as alternately like. Super laid back, like just like this guy is just like, all right, man, you know, all right, like, all right, like, all right. Like Wooderson from uh, um, she Days was an American girl, but like he's also this like super astute businessman who like once he like learned how the business worked, he wasn't going to take any guff from. Well, let's uh, love that saying, by the way. Take any take, guff. take some guff. Let's I don't know what guff is. Yeah, but you don't want to take any. Damn, yeah, damn straight. The one of my favorite things from the from the the beginning of that documentary is the story about how they just like they put a bunch of stuff on reel to reel. Oh, like, and just like and, drove out to and LA. Just drove out to LA and literally just walked in at a bunch of like and people record are going labels. Like, this is not how it's done, guys. <laughs> I like I read that he found a he found a a list. 
uh, in a phone booth of like that record. is also true. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's that's in the and documentary. He, like, well, he found the list and he was like, well, it was a good and bad thing because good because now I have the numbers, all these things, but bad because like how many other people are doing this? Yeah, but yeah, he had, and he literally like the first place that they that he went to was like. Playboy had a record label. Playboy at the time. Records, and the guy listened to like thirty seconds of it. And he was like, "You guys are gonna get out of my office." And they were like, "Okay, well, maybe this is gonna be harder than we thought it was." And they went over to London Records, and uh, the guy was like, "I'd like to maybe." He's like, "This is good. Maybe you should we should cut a demo deal." And they're like, "Well, you've already this listened to the demo. demo. Like that's exactly <laughs> what this is." But they're like, "Okay, maybe we'll do a." He's like, "We'll cut a song, and if the song like does well, then we'll talk about a record." And they're like, "Okay." Bird in the hand, but they kept going. And uh, anyway, well, I think at the end like, of the or maybe day, that was capital, capital, but like, anyway, the point like, was like, like five or six. Like they offers. had five offers. Well, yeah. yeah. Can can we can somebody at least comment on the fact that like, thank God they that some members left that they changed their name to Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers because Mudcrutch. Mudcrutch is a bad name. It is a really bad name. And he said that they want like they intentionally were kind of going for a bad name. And I was like, you got there. Because like, that's that a is... fucking 20 bullseye right there, buddy. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know if, if Mudcrutch is like – and Mudcrutch, for those listening at home, was the precursor to Tom Petty. And well, the and they got really like, big in Gainesville like, around there. And yeah. they apparently through like little um, festivals. They had some property out there and they and they began this like really big deal. Like 500 people would come out and they – Essentially, we're throwing these like weird backyard festivals. Yeah, they're huge in Gainesville. Well, I let's mean, go that's... to L.A. I mean, don't get me wrong, Tom Petty, but I mean, how many motherfuckers like in in, in countless small towns like we're King Big Dick in this town? Let's get out there to L.A. and I'm well, they... name my my next band King Big Dick. <laughs> King Big Dick. <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> this right. town's gonna be my debut yeah, album. <laughs> hey, yeah. hey, I Ke- feel like Kevin should pick a song. Yeah, Kevin, yeah. do a song, please. Anything. Uh, yeah, so. So you guys mentioned um, "Damn the Torpedoes." One of the tracks that uh, that is like, if we actually ended up doing a, a Tom Petty record, I pro- this that's the one that I probably would have picked. But um, let's listen to uh, one of one of the tracks I dig off that that record, which is "Even the Losers." While that track was playing, we mentioned before, like we have a screen up behind producer Mark's head uh, in the in the studio slash room that we record in. And uh, anyway, I thought it was really telling that you pulled up that uh, Uproxx article, Mark, from you know, I guess thirteen fourteen hours ago. There, basically, one of the things it talks about is that track, even the losers, being like kind of a minor hit. But like one of the sort of everyman, uh, like Tom Tom Petty speaking to like you know he didn't he didn't write uh, rock songs of bombast like most of them were kind of everyday trope uh, type stuff. Well, I mean, and, like the the central conceit of that song is even the losers get lucky sometimes. It's a it or is like, a it is a Wood, it's an ode to Wooderson is what it is like. All right, all right, all right, kind of right, right. yeah. That's one of the more new wave sounding songs if you like. Every time I hear it, I'm like, oh, yeah, like I could see this nestled in comfortably with, you know, watching the detectives playing right after it or something like that's interesting. Sure. Yeah. I think it's it's a little bit more 
Americana than it you, is. But you, uh, but you think that but because yeah, you're, you're used to but hearing like, it on no, classic it would rock. Sound, it would sound just fine next to Watch the Detective. Or like if that ended and then like Allison came on or something. Like I mean, not new wave like American, like you know what that became. But you know, like it's not not Devo new wave. No, but, uh, no, no, obviously not. But I'm saying like you know that uh, uh, I'm. Uh, I guess what I mean is, you know, like you're just reinforcing the uh, defies categorization. Mm-hmm. Thing that we're well, yeah, up. but you know, like that's that's another one of his like staples on classic rock songs, which pretty much all of his hits are. But um, but that doesn't sound anything like you know, "Sweet Home Alabama" or um, no. no, you know, "Don't Let Me Down," Bruce, Molly Hatchet, whatever. Sure. It, by the way, like it is, it's a little, you know, I mean, like. You, there are certainly like twangy elements to some of the things that that he wrote, but it's like they, to and maybe this is just by virtue of the fact that we put them in that classic rock bucket, like it doesn't sound. Where whereas specifically when I hear stuff like, oh, just like Sweet Home Alabama and some of the other the things that you're talking about, Shane, like, yeah, like those are those sound like there's a certain cornball element to them after a while, and. uh you know, even if even if this track isn't anybody's uh, favorite, I think that it spoke to. I think there is that kind of blue collar quality to his music that there's a reason that a lot of people really glommed onto it. That's a good way to put it, uh, blue collar quality. Yeah, and I don't mean well, that in a Springsteen sense. Either, no, no, it, it's the it's. I was said ubiquity earlier, like, and and I meant that, but there's there's sort of like it's a, it's different than than Springsteen. It it's and I think it's that like we've touched on this before like it it really transcends the genre in so many different ways like is he said he's got a singular sound that's you know that's easily accessible it's it's easily you know like somebody that's 20 or somebody that's 60 can can tap into but it's it's not it's indefinable i guess in a, in, a, in a way for me like I, w- I would say he's more optimistic than springsteen ever i mean that's just one comparison but it's like I, but I personally, I vastly prefer this. Like Springsteen's got his thing, and I appreciate it for what it is. But Springsteen's but these more are like like bombast. But these are pop songs, ultimately. Certainly, and that and, goes and, that and goes a long we'll, way. We'll get to any of them, but um, what I noticed over the last couple of days, uh, listening back to his catalog, he was like king of the bridge, like really good bridges, like you know, and, and Lloyd Bridges. For, Yes, he was king of Lloyd Bridges. Um, Bo Bridges, Jeff that? Bridges too. Um, He's like the progenitor of that. Yes. Yeah. No, but like, I, I, and I probably most of our listeners really know, but for those, for those that don't know, like the bridge is like the little middle part of the song. That's yeah. like a, a, little, a little separate song, a little family, but for some reason works, you know, to bridge over to the, the rest. You're of the totally song. right. It's, you're right, breaking right? up. Yeah. You're breaking up the yeah. song. Basically, you're, 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 you're breaking. You have the verse, but chorus, and the bridge is the third part. Bridge, and he just did over and over and over again. A lot of people look at the bridge or the pre-chorus as. I, it often is, but it's a former bridge. They look at it as it's like a part that you're supposed to put in there. So there's a lot of superfluous bridges. Um, like somebody that can write, or, or what would be called in the past a middle eight. The Beatles are really good at it. It's just a way to break to break up the song and then and, and bring you over and to bring the it, next bring it part back. Of. Right, and so you can go back in and then you can modulate, go to another key. You can take, but it takes you, it takes the monotony out of a song and that. Pulls your ears away and then puts you right back in. And some I, people, I, I some people no, work I noticed it, it over like four or five different songs. I was like, God damn, that's a really good bridge. Some people do it really well, yeah, but not a lot of people. Mark, you got one? Is it my turn already? Caught you snoozing. Mm. I do have one. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier on just my love of the videos that this guy put out, and probably a, a lot of the time, at least until I was old enough to go out and buy my own CDs or, or cassette tapes. Uh, that was how I was introduced to a lot of Tom Petty music. And this one, probably my favorite Tom Petty song, uh, is uh, Don't Come Around Here No More. Yeah. 
number one, that's a that's a pretty awesome video, especially for something. Acid anybody? Yeah, especially for something. Uh, uh, do you think that the big sugar cubes might have? I don't know. Uh, that might have been emblematic. Like it's essentially like a Alice in Wonderland kind of thing. Essentially. Yeah. Well, it's Alice in Wonderland on acid, on which acid, might right. be redundant. Um, so I always wondered um, what the deal was with that song. It sounds like nothing else he ever did, and that's because Dave Stewart from the Arrhythmics wrote it. And um, oh, he wrote it. He wrote it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here, and he also makes the uh, the cameo appearence as the caterpillar. Yes. Um, it's Holy. a very it's a very interesting story, and I don't really like it's a long story, but I'll give you the cliff notes real quick. Um, it, like after the Eurythmics, it had like the you know Sweet Dreams hit. He was like at a party or something in L.A. He ended up hooking up with Stevie Nicks. Um, then this is what I'm reading about now. By the way, go ahead about this song. Yeah. So yeah, so uh, so there's a couple of different stories, but the, I've read I read a long thing about this a couple of years ago. So anyway, basically he wrote this song basically about her um, in some weird way. And um, he was in the studio. Like Dave Dave Stewart? Like, from the Eurythmics. Yes. Yeah, was writing this song about Stevie Nicks. Yes, they had hooked up. Don't come around here no more. No, don't come around here no more. It was something that she had said about some. It was a line. Okay, she, so he, he wasn't like pissed at her. She, no, no, no. She... She had broken up with Joe Walsh from the Eagles the night before and told him that. And they apparently – he didn't – it was after a show. He apparently reca- recalled this story on the Stern Show a few years ago and told it basically much the way that Shane had except for the fact that, like, yeah, it went back to Stevie Nicks' place. Sounds like there may have been some uh, cocaine involved, and he woke up the next day at 5 a.m. to find Stevie Nicks in his room – trying on Victorian clothing and described the entire scenario as very reminiscent of Alice in Wonderland. Later that morning, she told, I guess maybe she told uh, Joe Walsh, Walsh, don't come around here no more. So so later he left um, and started writing this song, and then he ended up in a studio with Jimmy, what is it? Jim, I never remember how to. It's Eovine. Eovine, yeah. Um, and they yeah were, he produced three records for Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Right, but he also produced he was about to produce the Belladonna record for, for Stevie Nicks. She shows up in the studio that he had written this. Dave Stewart wanted to give her the song, but I guess he didn't know that Jimmy Eovine and Stevie Nicks had been together before. She got pissed off, and Eovine ended up giving the song to Tom Petty, and Tom Petty rewrote it with, with Dave Stewart. But that's why that song sounds so unlike anything else in his catalog. That's totally, yeah. It's a very bizarre, that's why I said Cliff Notes are the best for that story. It's very complicated. It is complicated. So, uh, since you brought it up, um, Stevie Nicks, at the height of Fleetwood Mac's popularity, told Tom Petty, like, I'd like to quit uh, Fleetwood Mac and join your band. Yeah. And he was like, uh, well, it's just boys in our band. Like, we we don't don't have girls in our band. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's hard. That's hard. Compute. That's hard to say because look at, well, whatever. Look at her and listen to her, like circa nineteen seventy eight. Like, whew. goodness right. gracious. Okay, all right. We're gonna go to intermission. Uh, we are, um, and uh, we'll have something coming up for you that's gonna be slightly different, but also but not. pretty. Yeah, thematically still, still Tom Petty. similar. Yeah, you go and do all. You do that. <laughs> So it turns out uh, Mr. Thomas Earl Petty had a couple of... T.E. to his friends. T.E.? T.E. Yeah, no, I'm just making that up. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I think you are making that up. Dude had a couple of famous friends. and I'm sure yeah. he did. So uh, a few of those guys he got together with in a little band called uh, the Traveling Wilburys. You know what, I'm doing Blast big, from the big past. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway... Um, why don't we get into uh, the end of the line? I think it's just end of the line, not the. But anyway, great song. Has some good Mr. Petty material in in there. And uh, this, 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 we'll talk about it after after the song. Well, it's all right.
someone to tell you everything. Sit around and wonder what tomorrow will bring. Maybe a damn man. Well, it's all right, even if to say you're wrong. That is a good. You know, I'm glad they did that video in that way, where like it, it's so much more enjoyable to listen to when you see them like like just sitting around in a circle and jamming, you know, because that's always fun. And it's also like some of them like not best a lot going there. They're in a train. And... I know, but they're in a circle and they're just sitting there playing guitar and like it's a decent song. It's a good song. It's a great song. It's dude. a well written song. It just makes kind me kind of a shame on this one. It, I think it's fine. It, it's, like, it's it makes fine. me think of like 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 a dad in like some like um, go on khaki shorts with a braided belt with some like top cider shoes and like that's you know that's what he's playing while he's barbecuing. Dude, I think that, I don't know about that. I think, yeah, <laughs> like I don't know what nice to tell you. Sell. Well, it's, it's, it's dude, a, you're talking about like Steve Winwood or some shit. Like, that's that's a, a fucking good a, song. A, it's a good song, but that's that's where I put it. File it mentally, and with Steve Winwood from the '80s, like I'll put. The, it's a much better song than Back in the High Life, but much, but <laughs> much, but, but the same, but the same dude that listens to one. Loves the other. The same dude that loves one loves the other. Fine. So. Well, I I love that song. It's a and good. I don't have. It's a fine any time song. for Steve Winwood. It's it's. Uh, well, I'm, there's no transitive property between Steve Winwood. And, <laughs> <laughs> like I don't know what as far the hell as you are talking. Well, far as I about know. braided belt and uh, yeah, I, I don't. I'm telling you, so, like like later. a dad, like an '80s dad. Like, so that's what I'm he guessing. Loves. Roy Orbison had passed some time between recording and. I'm assuming since the Roy Orbison verse when he's he singing, died like, he died like two was, months after. There was the like a, yeah, like just a, the yeah. rocking chair, there was in a guitar train. in a rocking chair, and then it and then it, and then it focuses in on his, on his framed picture. photo. Yeah. yeah. By the way, let me just. I want to also give a shout out on that track to um, the producers Nelson Wilbury and Otis Wilbury, who are listed as the. The producers on that. I forgot that they did One that. One of them has they, to like, be Jeff Lynn because he was just like. Um, Nelson appears to have been George Harrison, which totally makes sense because uh, and Jeff Lynn is uh, is the other one is uh, Otis. So what's Dylan doing on that train? Well, well right. I got thinking about that too. This is what's fascinating. Well, I mean, what's anybody doing on a train? They're going places, <laughs> Mark. But beyond that, like, I thought, what does it take to get Bob Dylan to do like some kind of like. You know, middle of the road like group uh, album together, and I would I'd be like, well, if one of the Beatles are in, you can be as aloof as you want. But, so, do you like, know how this uh, actually came together? Uh, um, they the met on a train. Tom Petty. <laughs> I'm I'm so tell not me, kidding. Tell me, tell me. Tom Petty uh, pulled up next to a red light uh, next to Jeff Lynn, and Jeff Lynn had already been working with George Harrison and Roy Orbison. And so they pulled over just because they knew each other and were like, what's up? And from that interaction, Traveling Wilburys, you know, after a few months of negotiations and whatnot, ended up being a thing. And from as I understand it, um, they adopted the, the various names because of record company stuff. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. You know, I thought it was interesting, and I, and I remembered um, – you know, the first time I ever became aware of both Bob Dylan and um, Tom Petty were through I, – I knew uh, – well, nobody really knew. Jeff Lynn was always kind of the shady dude in the background. Well, but, you're not an ELO fan, right? No, but I'm saying the first time I ever heard this – ELO's fine. I, I, I like some – I've come around to ELO. But th I'm talking about when I was in, like, junior high when this shit came out. Like, I had no idea, like, who Jeff Lynn was. But, but don't you think – like did the traveling well like that song and then their their first you know big hit where they actually all sing on like Tom Petty really does like a little bit of a Bob Dylan knockoff when he sings that you don't really see a lot of you don't really hear it a lot like in his own stuff little little bit a little bit of trivia so a will the Willberry was a slang term used by George Harrison when he was recording the Cloud Nine record and Jeff Lynn was uh, I guess helping produce that. Oh yeah, his Cloud yeah. Nine record with the with the fuck. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, it, got my not the point. You, so the point is, yeah. Wilbury was a slang term that he used during the recording of that record, 
referring to recording errors uh, created by created by some faulty equipment. He apparently joke, jokingly remarked to to Lynn, "We'll bury him in the mix." And so a Wilbury became something that you would bury in the mix, and uh, and uh, eventually well, uh, traveling Wilbury. So. I, I guess weird. Okay, <laughs> yeah. you're a genius. Okay, let's go back in. All right. Hey, you know, uh, of uh, we haven't one thing we haven't talked about with regard to Tom Petty, uh, who is the focus for our uh, show tonight, is uh, hat choices. That guy, like, you know, not since the not since the days of uh, Abe Lincoln. He was, yeah, a, har- he was a harbinger of the haberdashery. He was a harbinger of the haberdashery. I think he he locked it in with the "Don't Come Around Here No More" video, and then continued to ride that Mad Hatter look all the way through the nineties. Yeah. So, we talked a little bit in the front half of the show about the Peter Bogdanovich documentary, and it's like literally, look, seriously, it's it's three and a half hours long. So if you get a chance to watch it, you know, settle in. But. uh there were a couple of other things I wanted to share from that that I thought were really telling, and neither one of them were said by Tom Petty. They were said by some of the other guys in the band. One was uh, talking about that first record and when when the the eponymous first uh, album came out. It uh, This is the one that they recorded with uh, the dude on uh, Leon Russell's. Uh, they recorded in Tulsa. And the the dude from uh, yeah, Russell's so, label. yeah, they'd got some interest from from some labels. Went back to Gainesville to get the rest of the band, and on the way back, um, this like badass uh, British producer yeah. who for some reason was in Tulsa was like working no, on Leon Russell label. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, so they end up putting the first record out with that instead of driving all the way to L.A. and putting it out on London, they end up working with this guy. And anyway. Um, Flopped in the U.S., did great uh, overseas. Um, they were treated like the Beatles in 63 uh, overseas, and they came back to the U.S. and were playing like little punk was, clubs. One like, of the guys in the band was like, he's like, and then I come back uh, over are here. Are we famous here? He was like, he's like, I'm back here like a week later. I'm like cutting my yard. <laughs> and he's like, he was like, and this was the quote that, that struck me. He was like, He's like, it's the big time. It's not the big time. We got it. We don't got it. <laughs> like, it no, and like they'd that. roll into a town and be like, are we famous here? Like, because like some places they were getting radio play and some places they weren't. And yeah, again, nobody knew where to put them on the radio, like, which I think is fascinating. But, I mean, it makes total sense if you go back and look at their catalog, you know. Well, the other, the other uh, little nugget that I was going to share with you guys was that one of them said that they had a saying in that band – um, don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Let's do another one of these videos. I think um, for the next one, we're going to go way more into the future from the last one that I picked, and that's the other song that I love, absolutely love, by Tom Petty, partially informed by the fact that God knows I love a good coda, um, and that's um, It's Good to Be King, which is weird because it's outside of the purview of most Tom Petty hit collector lovers or whatever, like, you know, it's outside of that wheelhouse. But the, the core. Uh, yeah, yeah. It was later, like, it was right around the time, like, where his his star was starting to diminish a little bit. But um, Would that come out in, like, but 2003 that, or something? No, 94, I think. Oh, 95, yeah. maybe. But, I mean, it sold several million copies of that record. But, anyway, I like a good coda and good piano coda especially. A la Layla. That's the best piano coda. <laughs> I know. Anyway, yeah. Can we listen? Let's listen to that one, Mark. Smile. It's good to get high 
mistaken i i thought don't come around here no more was a really weird video um turns out he had he had more there's a little bit of the dystopian thing that i think seems to pop up now and again well that's also too it's it's a lot of that a lot of that 90s stuff like weird 90s videos we were like that bjork video like now all of a sudden i'm from like sweden that video <laughs> that Bjork video that we watched a couple weeks ago or whatever. Um and that really like that desaturated color, it looks like you know, like I said, like thanks, Anton Corb Corbion. Corbion. Yeah, yeah. Who also did heart shaped box. But I but all oh, I mean but he was yeah. responsible for a lot of yeah, that. He was like, ubiquitous for a bit. Uh but yeah, he didn't do that video. Song, but like he, he, it's like he, kind of a conventional song, but the video is Looks like, but lyric, but lyrically, the, the lyrically the song is really sad, and then it ends with that really sad coda on that minor key piano stuff with that like crazy dude with picking up a car in the water or whatever. Like, yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on. With I crazy like dude. I like how the video kind of opens up the interpretation of the lyrics of the song. Yeah, uh, because you know if you just listen to the song, it can it can seem very literal what he's talking about, like. The, f- the fact that that you know, that gee, if you were king, you'd have all this stuff. But then, but then, but, in the in the, the the chorus of the song, it turns it on its head already a little bit. But I guess yeah. if you're not, it's a, it's pretty subtle. But you know, like but it, I, but what I like about the video is that it it opens up that interpretation of like, you know, what really is a king? I mean, you can be the king. There of was your an castle. Elvis impersonator. Yeah, you can be the king. Yeah, you so. can be the crazy person in a weird costume on the uh, corner in Los Angeles. Yeah, uh, yeah. It does yeah, turn I, it on its head. That that's I, I hadn't so, thought of it that way, but so thank you for pointing that out. I think that melody kills in that in that verse, man. Um, just the whole song. It's really underrated. I mean, it was a top fifty hit, but um, well, what was the first song you brought up? It's about the same tempo as that. It, it's like breakdown. Like, yeah, breakdown. Yeah, it's around the same tempo. I you know I just think that that song is underrated. And uh, again, I love a good piano coda. I love a good coda, um, but uh, there's just something about like there's just sad and I don't know. It's just sad and beautiful to me in a way that you don't really see. There's not a lot of guitar in it except the solo. It's mostly piano. The hooks are piano hooks. So I don't know. I do think that Tom Tom Petty had a real gift for writing some stuff that was not in a hurry, like. Yeah, you know, and you guys talked about the pacing of that particular track, but like it just, it's, uh, you know, that is, that is, it's going to get there when it gets there. Kevin, what you got for us next? All right. Um, so, uh, I will not be suggesting anything that features a washed out dystopian video or uh, cars from Logan's Run uh, or any of that stuff. Uh, I am like here we are like we're on the second half of the show and like there's some tracks that's like I kind of was sure that we'd already would have played by now that we haven't so I'm gonna pick one of those and uh, let's do uh, let's do here comes my girl.
hadn't occurred to me until <laughs> we were watching that video and listening to that song. But uh, there's a little bit of a slow jam element to the. To, oh, uh, with the, the like kind of like that. Just most of the lyrics in that are just kind of like uh, narration. Like, hey, I just yeah. want to tell you right now. Like, you know, I'm just going to talk about it right now. And then here comes my girl. Yeah. I like his version better, but still, it's definitely better than mine. <laughs> I don't know, Ryan. He's got there's a certain Gary Puckett quality to what? who's Gary Puckett? Uh, Gary Puckett, the Union Gap. You don't uh, know my t- dad. Are you talking about obviously. the? Are you are you talking about the uh, the center fielder for the Minnesota Twins? Not oh, Kirby. That was Puckett. Kirby Puckett. Yeah. Yes, I know. Thank you yeah. for both anyway, correcting me. Um, but it, yeah, to point, yeah, you know, the issue at hand, like there is. Uh, that if you the Wikipedia entry for this this song says that uh, Petty learned to use narration in the verses similar to Blondie or the Shangri Las. Um, also, I uh, think they must be referring to Rapture. Yeah, oh. I think that. Well, right. No, Rapture came only, out a couple years later. Well, point is, is like I think that that's the only like they were only using sort of rock frame of, of reference for that. But I was like, really, like the. The like the like what that narration is doing in the song is very similar to a slow jam, except that it's not. You it's know. just breaking down the song, yeah. and like most of it is just like you know a little plinkling guitar stuff and percussion, and he's just kind of like you know narrating and, over it. And w- okay, did I make this up? I don't think I did, Mark. I heard the banjo. There was banjo in that, Mark. Uh, well, I, if I have to, if I have to to go. Um, I'm going to go with uh, Into the Great Wide Open. Uh, the The song, I think, is one of his bigger hits, and the video just has a plethora of uh, cameos in there. Uh, Be- Shane, yes, Yes, before we listen to the song. Shane literally raised his hand. <laughs> yes, before, ask, before we like, watch this video, listen to the song. Teacher Mark. I, I, want to, I, want to, I want to say two things. I was going to pick this video partially because I like the song but mostly because it has one of the greatest yet not greatest lyrics that I've ever heard is um, when somehow he he manages to incorporate uh, an erodi named Bart. Like oh, uh, that's pretty bad. Yeah, it's bad, bad, Bart. bad. It's bad. It's as bad as hunger. It's a hunger. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> that might be the worst Tom Petty lyric yeah. of all time. No, no. So, so and and, and then, a roadie named Bart. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, it's pretty so, good, right? So I was well, gonna. And he found a girl with the tattoo too. Yeah, um, no, no. It's oh, oh, and uh, um, their A and R guy didn't hear a single, but the future was wide open. Like that doesn't. But anyway, roadie named Bart. Musically, pretty good. Song. Music Basically, it's a good song. Let's get into it before we get ahead of ourselves. Eddie waited till he finished high school. He went to Hollywood, got a tattoo. He met a girl out there with a tattoo, too. The future was wide open. They've moved into a place they both could afford He found a nightclub he could work at the door She had a guitar and she taught him some chords The sky was the limit Into Story video, yeah, but inconclusive as to what the story was. I mean, I, I understand the the overall morality message, which is don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. Well, don't be a dick. Uh, you get famous, it goes to your head, and then you're a dick. And then it, and then you go down the charts. And they done away as a you witch. knock over a bunch of Harleys. But 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 also, but the roadie Bart, who is played, who we roadie named Bart, <laughs> and. and he made a single and it went in the charts. It went in the charts. charts. I was like, that is that's all kinds yeah, of wrong. See, here's like, the thing about see, you know, one thing about Tom Petty that 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 prior to that song that in this show that we could definitely say is he's a pretty goddamn great lyricist. 
I think he was a little bit off his but, game. Yeah, on but his guess failed him on this song. Less however, so. however, the hook is crazy. That song is awesome. Oh, if you just heard like the it, the instruments, like, like, if, like minus if you, the the lyrics. Yeah, like, if you didn't speak English, and if you, you just only gone, heard like, the song, and see that's just then, over Ryan. over the 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 guitars and drums, like would have been great. Um, yes. Yeah, but it's, I mean, it's not a terrible song. It's I, a I really think it's a well composed song, but the lyrics song, are stupid. but the lyrics are really bad. So, gentlemen, uh, I believe that we would be derelict in our duty if we did not bring up what I consider to be the greatest Tom Petty. It's Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, but greatest Tom Petty composition and performance of all time, and that would be American Girl. Um, so let's get back in, uh, back into the show and. Listen to that and discuss. talk about it on the other side. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's great. But it's again, it's one of those songs that, like, where do you put that in 1977? It doesn't sound like anything. On the radio. It, all over the radio. On the radio. <laughs> well, it didn't go all over. Well, yes. So, thank you, Kevin. Mean, in the yeah. charts. But yeah, like, like, smear like, it on the radio. like Kind on, of. I mean, yeah. that's sort of what happened, right? Well, like, it was everywhere. So apparently, um, Roger McGuinn's manager, like, played that for him. Uh, and he goes, when did I write that? And he was like, well, you didn't write that. He was like, no, I was joking. But, like, <laughs> that's, that's but, pretty funny. Well, you're talking about the 12 string Rickenbacker. Oh, yeah. Enough? Like, that's like full on, like, dude, like, hit me where I live, Ryan Newsome shit. Like, uh, no, no, like, no, but also it's full on Roger McGuinn, the birds kind right, of, yes. like, sound. Like, that's like, well, in, but, but a little more, like, punk, rocky, like, definitely influenced by, like, what was happening, like, in, you know, with, again, it's insurgent. Like, it feels like propulsive. It's good. All the way I think it's it. a great song. The ratio yeah. of the ratio of singles put out by Tom Petty to a number of uh, songs that require the windows open or the top down is high among this act. Like <laughs> the T tops off. Pull your T tops well, yeah. off. Drive <laughs> oh, around sure. the lake. Take them off the Trans Am. Are, yeah. are there Tom Petty songs that require the like top to be down? Like uh, that's what he's saying. Yeah, the ratio. I'm, I'm, the ratio to singles. Yeah. Versus, many of them. Yes, many of them do. I thought maybe it would make sense to um, to end on a, a little bit more of a serious note. There was, um, you know, Tom Petty had two daughters. One of them in particular, like when he, like after he had had the heart attack but was had not been, like oh, had no, died he was yet. Like, he like, was like uh, announced dead and then like they took it back. Well, right, oh. yeah. CBS announced yeah, love it, you, TMZ. Like, yeah, anyway, yeah. So, but... Um, among those who ran with it was Rolling Stone, and on Instagram, one of his daughters really kind of, well, proceeded to rip him a new one. Yeah, she she didn't she didn't care for she it. did she did not hold back. But anyway, um, she did write something that was longer that I'll take a little snippet out of on her dad uh, this week, and I thought it might be kind of a, a fitting place to end. She said. Um, my father loves music more than anything and always put music first. It's going to be healing to know that I'll never go a day without hearing his music. I love his class honesty and how strange and funny he is. 
Tom Petty's an American icon because his heart has always put human rights first. We are one. I love you, Dad. Your songs are dreams manifested. Now, some of you know that's his daughter talking, so there's going to be some kind of some of that language in there. But I do think that like that class honesty that she refers to, like he did, like that was very central to kind of the way that he looked at the world through his music. All right, we're going to be talking about something like very different next week. Uh, yeah, we so let me back? so let me ask you guys this question. So it's completely up to you. Um, the record that I picked last time was "Kiss Alive," which is we're definitely going to be listening to. But um, I missed the window to do what possibly is my favorite record from 2015, which was the first Wolf Alice record, and they just put out their new record this week. Um, and uh, I'm afraid that I'm going to listen to it. That's an act that I've wanted to get into, but I just haven't made the time for it yet. You're like, afraid you're going to listen to it, and then it won't be. And then I can't. Uh, and then I can't. Able to, you and then I can't bring, bring it onto the show, right? Because I, I, dude, I'm so. So that, let's do that one because the Kiss record will still be around. Like, you right? Can do that on well, that's what record. I was thinking. Of. I wanted to ask you guys that. You know, like how you feel about that? Like, I, I'm, I'm different. What's the name of the record? Visions of Life. Visions of life. V- right. Of a life. Tune in. Life. Yeah, Next there was like a Pet Shop Boys thing going on in the first song that I've heard off it, so which sounds interesting to me too. So I don't know. I have no idea if I'm going to like it or not. All right. Well, until next time, I'm Kevin. I'm Ryan. I'm Shane. I'm Mark. This is Somebody Likes It. Us.net has been your one-stop shop for all things geek for years. But there's a side to them many of you have never heard. The subscription side. Subscribe and listen to great podcasts like The Breakfast Pub, The Original Gentleman, and the Watch a Movie With Us series. Head on over to oneofus.net and don't forget your towel.